Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to Reality Check Radio, Greenwashed with uh, Jaspreet and Don. Uh, it's been quite a common topic on our show in recent months uh, is climate change and emissions. Uh, yet hardly a week goes by, we don't let you off the hook. But it's time we thought to uh, involve other countries' uh, perspective on this sort of stuff. And today we have uh, Jos Ubels, I hope I've got that right, uh, Vice President of the Farmers' Defence Force from the Netherlands uh, with us. Now, the Netherlands has been in the media in New Zealand, and I think we're probably only getting one side of the story because uh, MSM uh, continually just gives us one side of the story. And it shows that, uh, well, we've been told that uh, there's been some serious protests. Uh, not quite 100% sure what the outcome has been. But in 2019, uh, the Farmers' Defence Force was established because uh, effectively nitrogen discharges were uh, from animals and farms were, were a problem. So, Joss, welcome to this show. And, um, you know, what's what's uh, been the progress so far? Let, let's start at the beginning. 2019, what's, what spurred you into life with your organisation? Yeah. So, first of all, I'm very glad you're having me on the show. And um, um, I'm very willing to explain some things that are going on in the Netherlands right now and uh, have been going on from, uh, let's say, 2019. Actually, it started uh, way earlier, but 2019 was some sort of starting point. Um, in 2019, the first thing that happened was that some uh, environmental and animal uh, activists um, invaded a family, fa family farm. And our authorities uh, thought it was a great idea to go there and to say, okay, the situation is in control, so we don't have to take those people out of the barn or out of the animal uh, places where, where they kept their, their pigs and their animals. Um, and uh, they can make their protest there. And if the, any damage is well done, uh, we will uh, make a problem out of this with, with those activists. But if not, we give them the time to make their point and to get out of there. And then we said as, as, as farmers all over the Netherlands were shocked by this reaction because um, they broke into the property of a, of, of a family farm. And th those are just inhabitants of the Netherlands as everyone else. So I think it's very illegal to, to break into somebody's home or, or even in somebody's stable. So th this was the starting point from uh, from Mark van der Oever, uh, our, our president, um, to start uh, like a Facebook group. Um, uh, and in this Facebook group, he asked the question if it's normal that farmers are, are treated like that. And uh, that he said we are we are have the legitimacy um as as inhabitants of the Netherlands to make a civil arrest, and he said maybe if the next farm will be invaded uh, invaded by activists, we should make a civil arrest with many farmers together, um, and uh, we don't need to hurt those people, but we can get them out the farms by ourselves. So this was the starting point, and uh, I, I remember his words uh, uh, shortly after we met. He said, "In the beginning, I thought nobody was interested because my Facebook group." was like 25 people and nobody go there and nobody uh, was interested in joining. But he said three days later, uh, I don't know why, but it started rolling. And within one week, I had 3000 people on the Facebook side. And then it started rolling and rolling. And after like one month, he had like 10 or 20,000 people uh, in, involved in his website, in the in Facebook group. Um, he started developing a logo. He did this all online. He said, okay, what do you like the most and what should we do with this? And it were all farmers and people that loved farming that participated in that. And uh, this was the, the moment that I got involved as well um, because in my region, nobody was involved uh, so actively. So I thought, okay, maybe if nobody wants, I should do this because I think it's very important. Um so this was actually the starting sign, and then there was the, these rumors that uh, farmers want to have a huge protest in the, in the cap, uh, actually not in the capital, but in the, the city where our uh, parliament is hosted in Den Haag. Um, and they said, okay, let's go there, but we need to organize and we need to do it big. 
and they saw that farmers defense force was a beginning or uh yeah to, to centralize farmers and and to collect farmers all together so they asked farmers defense force if we could join in this 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 yeah organizing this and this was the first moment that i got involved very uh actively um and we we uh, organized one of the hugest protests uh that is seen worldwide so yeah well, it was it was it was fantastic to watch on on television. The bits we did see, uh, as I said, it was limited in its publicity. Here, uh, it carried on. You, you had to find it on social media to to know that it was carrying on. And uh, and we do have a uh, an organisation in New Zealand that has done similar things in recent times, but it's very very rare. So, uh, well done to you uh, and your colleagues. It's. One thing that's intriguing me uh, that we should perhaps clear up at the outset here is there seems to be several different farming groups, um, perhaps all fighting for the same thing, or are they? Because there seems to be a variance of them. I, I know the organic side is quite sort of split from you guys, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, tell, tell us about the number of factions. I mean, and the reason I ask that yeah. is we had Terry Boudet on the show a couple of months ago, and yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, he's on your side of the ledger, but he gave us an inkling that there was something not quite cohesive about all the all the activist groups. Can you explain? Well, well, of course. Um, um, yeah, when you have people, people are always diverse and they are never uh, sticking together very closely. It's always uh, we have to have some collective enemy so uh, that that people join. So this is the first, this is normal behavior, I think. But um, we have, of course, before all these problems arise and got so big as they are now, uh, we also had farmers organizations in the Netherlands. Uh, they were all very old organizations with a lot of influence in politics and they, uh, they were pretty strong. But uh, they were always, um, uh, how to say, this is for an example, in the Netherlands we have the LTO, it's uh, the Land and Agriculture Organization. Uh, it's um, a lot of older farmers that quit their farm or whatever or they have like it as, as a second job they join this organization and they work for them and they are of course they are having um they're having correct opinions and they try to do do for the good but the problem is that they are um, paid by the government the most of the the income of those organizations is income produced by the government so uh, we always say uh, never bite the hand that feeds you so this is what this organization has ever have as a problem they are not paid only by their members they are paid by the government um so the government founding them with a lot of money and they always try to uh, change the legislation for farmers for the better but if the government pushes through they will follow because they need this money to hold their organization into life so this is the whole discussion where where that's why there is place for a second organization, a second big one. And that's why Farmers Defense Force was pretty successful after the demonstrations in founding a new organization. We, we now have we have 14,000 uh, dairy farmers in the Netherlands and 45 to 50,000 farmers overall. And at the moment, we have like 5000 active members in our organization paying members. Um, that uh, and, and we have a lot of supportive members as well. Um, so uh, yeah, you can see the Facebook group and our social medias is like uh, watched more than sixty thousand times a day. And it's yeah, we're very active at the moment, and we are very successful in this. And uh, it's happy to see that it's uh, working. Yeah, that's that's good to see. And those are you know having five thousand active paying members. That's that's great, Joss. I remember reading about that protest that you mentioned, was it? And I'm going to mispronounce some Dutch names, so my apologies at the outset. I believe it was uh, Boxtel or some such place where meet the victims. Or This was uh, an international group that has been staging protests out here in Australia as well. They went into this uh, property. And that's another thing. Farmers seem to face the world over. Just invasion of your private property rights out here like over there you said they were there of over a hundred of them in this uh pig farm right occupying that place for nearly a day we have the same thing here we have drones overhead we have greenpeace activists we have had activists literally drive up to farmers gates park themselves there try to take pictures on the worst weather of the day you know, my husband and I have dealt with it once we had a down cow, a cow that was struggling after giving birth. Uh, 
So, you know, you help the cow up with hip lifters and someone taking pictures of the cow and then complaining, you're not looking after this and so on. And you you can't keep everyone happy. But farming, as Don has often said, seems to be the only occupation that goes naked in public. Everyone has an opinion on you, don't they? Everyone. Everyone. It's quite funny because um, I always uh, we, we deal with these problems a lot in the Netherlands. Of course, um, we have this we have a, si uh, a similar situation, but we have also the problem that we are a very tiny country with a lot of people. We have 18 million people living in a in a like a country that isn't even visible on the map. So um, yeah, they, they we have a lot of people in our country that live from jobs that are not creating anything. They are just um, jobs for advising people and 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 going non-jobs uh, yep non-jobs yeah we have a lot of them and those people are also, also very easy in in judging uh people that create life and 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 take care of life um and i always say um uh, to those people for example last was uh, lately there was a discussion about a farmer that had um uh, like uh, 10 of his newborn calves were all dying And uh, this was like because of his heifers that had some uh, some disease. So uh, yeah, this is I think this is normal practice. It can happen like that, and no farmer will be happy about this. But it's not like you are a bad farmer. Something happens to your animals, and you try to take the best care you can. But um, yeah, sometimes you have like a, a few death animals uh, in a row. This can happen. But then these people are discussing on television and everywhere that, mm. yeah, this farmer is a very bad guy and he's not taking care of his animals and he shouldn't be a farmer and blah, blah, blah. And the only answer that I as a farmer can give to that, of course, those people, they, they, they have a point. It's not nice to have a dying animal. And they never had a dying animal in their life, but they also never had a living animal. So how can they discuss with somebody that did, does And this is the, the, the subject. It's very easy to speak about uh, somebody else uh, that that you don't have to do the same job as do, they do. So it's actually a non-discussion. They are talking about food production, but they're eating three times a day. So they can be thankful, I think. They should be. Yeah, yeah never never uh, blame a farmer with your mouth full. Um, should be the exactly. argument. But it, it's, it's interesting because uh, I don't, You know, while I've got lots of opinions, and I imagine you have, and Jasper, we've all got opinions, we don't go into our cities and tell them how to run their cities uh, unless we're paying taxes to those cities where we have the right to 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 have a say. But we don't go into businesses of a city or a township and say uh, how to run your supermarket. We just don't do that. But it's, isn't it interesting how society seems to think the modern society that the urbanized modern society um is that you can have a say over over the farmland around you uh even though you've got no ownership rights and then on top of that you have politicians making dis directives and decisions as if they own something but they don't they only own their noise effectively so um in in the netherlands i just want to clear this up too always in the media presentation over here it's, it talked about nitrogen um allowances now when i've been to the netherlands i've seen uh the the level of the water in the sort of canals around you know some of the farms i've visited and i thought oh they must be talking about nitrate emissions in the water but now i gather doing more reading it is much more obvious it is around nitrous oxide emissions um relative to the climate warming potential and And there's an attempt to expropriate uh, or or appropriate, maybe expropriate, just depends on how you view it, um, a lot of farms. Diminish production or take the farms out of production altogether uh, for nitrous uh, oxide emissions. Now, what is the story? Yeah, we've got the same stuff going on here, but, but we're not talking about um, taking farms out of production. We're talking about, in New Zealand, we're talking about um, taking... Mm -hmm. Taking Making them, them economically it. unviable. Yeah, take, <laughs> taking them by tax. That's what the uh, the argument will be. So um, what is the proposal uh, that's that's in front of you now that has got everyone so up in arms? Uh, yeah. I think I know what it is, but I'll let you explain it, of course. Yeah, I, I will explain. But first, I want to react on the introduction of your question. 
uh, that farmers are uh, like um, uh, picked on as the only group in society and the rest of society is is left alone, uh, left in quiet. And I think um, we, we, we must not forget, um, I don't know exactly the digits for uh, New Zealand, but I know the numbers in the Netherlands. Uh, we are like uh, with our farmers, we are 2% of the Netherlands. So all the farmers together are 2% of the people, of the population. And 2% of the people are providing for 98% of them. So, and then we go quickly into politics. If you look at uh, who is uh, having an opinion, it's the 98% of the people having an opinion about 2%. And we are just a minority. And minorities will always lose if they don't have support of the majority. Um, and we try to have support on many ways, but they are always uh, attacking again and again because some small uh, minority on their side is, is, with the help of big NGOs as G Greenpeace or whatsoever, is hitting on farms because they have some uh, earning money in this way because they can earn money on, on, on yeah on, on greenwashing or there are many things that they make a lot of money on, on uh, environmental uh, welfare. And um, uh, we must never forget that politicians are just easy followers of the majority. They are always just running after their elections. And if the majority of the country wants change, they also want change because they just won the votes. So they don't care about this 2% farmers. They will care about the majority. So if you want to win as a farmers, you have to speak with this 2% as loud as the 98% can together. This is the, my opinion about solving the, the discussion. And then go, going back to the, the, the point of your question, um, uh, the, the, what they're trying to do now in the Netherlands, um, they say, okay, we are buying farms as a government because the emissions that their farms are, are, are having are nitrogen emissions caused by ammonia. Um, and these emissions are not a problem because ammonia is lighter than air and goes up in the sky very quickly. So ammonia is not a real discussion, but ammonia drops down because it binds up in the sky with a pollution uh, by carbon dioxide and carbon fiber and everything. And then it comes back and it comes back as deposition on nature. And the deposition on nature having an effect on the plants and the nature and the biodiversity in, in, in the Netherlands. This is their, uh, their, um, yeah, their explanation. But the funny thing is, we, there is a lot of research to be done, and there's a lot of research already done about ammonia traveling in the in the air. Uh, the emission uh, ammonia is going down, is going up very quickly, but the emission uh, from ammonia that stays on a low level is staying very close to the farm, like 200 to 400 meters. And the funny thing is, all the farmers in the Netherlands have more than 200 meters soil around the farms, you can imagine, because they need the fields. So the most of the ammonia deposition that our farmers are accountable of, in my opinion, is falling down on their own fields. Uh, so it's a circular system. And this is very clearly because farming is like is, is a big part of the circle of life. We, we, we use crops to feed ourselves, to feed animals, and the animals produce um, a protein that we feed off on, and they produce excrements, the excrements we use on the fields that grow crops, and this is the circle of life. And if we look into the real problem uh, of the environmental impact of humanity, is burning fossil fuels. We burn a lot of fossil fuels, and this is going just up in the sky, and one day it will come down. And this is also the circle of life because oil comes out of the soil as well. But this takes millions of years. And the circle of life of animals and, and agriculture is a very short circle. It's a circle of years. So we should be happy with farms um, uh, taking emissions out of the sky, even the emissions that other people create. So, so you would be uh, of the view, I hope, that um, CO2 is beneficial for 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 growth for greening of your 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 paddocks and and your vegetation uh do you have the demonization uh going on in media in in the netherlands about co2 i mean that seems to be common and um and i've i think your your national broadcaster is called nos uh if if i've got that right uh do they demonize uh co2 and say that it's a it's a hell of a, a gas that's cooking the planet uh, all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, well, it's um, this, yeah, of course they are doing this. Um, I don't know if they're doing this on on purpose. Um, uh, if they're doing, <laughs> my my children having a fight with the dogs. <laughs> don't worry. Okay, uh, let's continue. Um, I don't I don't know if they are doing this actually on purpose. Um, we have to conclude that. Um, our NOS is um, uh, the national uh, broadcasting uh, network. They are founded by the government with 900 million euro annually. So we can say that they are in the same problem as the as the, um, uh, the farmers organizations. They get so much money from the government. It's very hard to fight the government and to publish negative information about the people that pay you uh, like everything that you have. Um, so th this is a, a main issue, um, but they also have a lot of lack of knowledge. Um, they are just following scientists, and the scientists that are um, well, the producing a lot—they are producing a lot of information—are scientists that are m mainly on the left side and mainly on the green perspective, and they 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 want change, so they write their. Uh, they publish their their materials in, in yeah they are not very fairly announcing everything of the whole story you know they they if it's a bad outcome they will just not publish. It it seems to me uh, just that it's a case of following the money. So the media is being funded, the farmer organizations so called are being funded, the academics, teachers, professors, whosoever is putting this information out, they are being funded. And, you know, that's why, like, people like us out here in New Zealand, we have Reality Check Radio, because our media is exactly the same. They are funded under the guise of something that's called the Public Interest Journalism Fund. They've all yeah. signed up to an international climate, uh, you know, education initiative, and that's all they do. So our government actually was recently found out that it had paid $300,000 to a media house, the, one of the biggest in the country, to put certain climate stories and run a one-hour special climate show without even saying that it was a promotion because, you know, they have to turn the public sentiment against farming. And for us here in New Zealand, I'm not sure how your economics work, but for us, the year last year, year ended 31st May 2022, primary industries, farming, accounted for nearly 82% of our exports. And we yeah. are out here trying to just make it completely unviable. But listening to you, uh, there's this name that seems to keep popping up whenever I read something about uh, Holland. And this is, this again, I'm going to butcher his name, this chemist by the name of Johan Wellenbrook. Is that yeah. it? Mo yeah. Tell us more about him. This This guy pops up everywhere, this lean, mean chemist who seems to know it all. Actually, he's not a chemist at all. He's just pretending. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, well, what happened? Um, in We had um, uh, emission legisla legislation in the Netherlands uh, for decades. Mm. Uh, in the Netherlands, we are a tiny country, so we, we uh, try to be very... Um, uh, we try to produce a lot uh, in agriculture, but we also try to um, do it as clean and lean as possible because this is very important if you live in a country with a lot of people. If you are just polluting your environment closely to the farm, everybody will see and everybody will notice, and this will mm. hurt your uh, license to produce. You know, they, they will uh, not Absolutely. accept you the way of your produ production. So we, we worked a lot on this. And um, our government uh, made some legislation changes that um, if you are close to nature or close to some environmental critical uh, object, um, you have to have do something with your emissions. You have to uh, uh, lower your emissions or, or take care of uh, the way you emit or whatsoever. So this was um, locked in some uh, some special calculation module that if you want to, for example, if you have 100 cows and you want to grow your farm by 10 cows or something like that, you have to ask the government and you have to put this information in this computer program and it will calculate um, the effect of your emissions of these 10 extra cows on the environment close to your farm. And if this effect will be smaller than a certain percentage, uh, you are allowed without any changes of your farm. And this was common practice. Uh, but this environmental activist 
that you call a chemist is a Johan Vollebroek. And he, this guy went with money of Greenpeace. He went to the uh, uh, to make a huge lawsuit against the government. And he said, this software you are using and the way you um, calculate this is not correct because if there are 10 farmers growing their cattle with 10 cows, it's actually 100 cows growing uh, in, in the total popula uh, population of, of animals. So... Yeah, if you just do the small changes 10 times, it can be a big change. And um, so the government tricked the system a little bit by uh, by doing it in this order. And actually, he had a point. Um, so it's just that our government using um, uh, not very rigid rules, not very rigid uh, legislation. It was pretty weak, founded on weak uh, weak um, uh, tools and weak, weak uh, um, calculations. So it was for him pretty easy to uh, kick this legislation down. But the effect of this was huge. In 2015, this legislation was founded. Johan Vollebroek uh, broke this legislation. He said this is not longer legal. The government should come up with new, uh, new methods. Um, but they can't because um, a lot of things were done from 2015 till now or till 2019. A lot of farms... Uh, build bigger sheds, a lot of industry grow, a lot of more cars were present in the Netherlands. So the effect on nature was not clear. Um, so he won the lawsuit and now the government should be going back to 2019 with emissions, but they can't because it, it's just impossible. Um, so then the government uh, said, okay, if we have this um, these restrictions, this is called the KDW, way, way, it's uh, the K. Uh, KDW is the um, is legislation that they say this is the critical deposition value of nature, and every nature preservation in the Netherlands has this value. Um, it's uh, a steady value, a static value, and uh, we should go below this value. But the funny thing is, if you calculate how much uh, reduction we need in the Netherlands uh, to to uh, meet those values in some areas. Um, if you calculate this correctly, we should lose all human life in the Netherlands. Not only the farms, everything should go out of the Netherlands. We should be an empty country. And then we're still not meeting this, these values. So it's, um, it, it's an unbeginning task. We can never fulfill this task. So Johan Fullerbrook has uh, won this lawsuit, and that's why he got a lot of attention. And uh, he has actually, uh, the government is checkmate. Because uh, they need to measure, they need to cut down emissions to a s amount that is never going to be reached. So we are locked in lawsuits and locked in in legislations, and we are never going to win this, and we are never going to change it if the law is not changing. So the simple thing is, the law should be changed in the Netherlands, but the policy politics are not willing to. You recently had the BBB come on didn't you? Did something change with their coming in? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, because of the farmers' protest, it was not only the 1st of uh, uh, October in 2019, but also 16th of October, we had a second one. It was um, even bigger. And after that, we had a lot of more protests. And you could see that uh, along the protests, there was no resistance of society. Actually, the resistance came from the government, came from mm. activist organizations, came from uh, the media, but there was no resistance in a protest of the um, yeah of, of the Netherlands as a country. Uh, we got a lot of thumbs on the highways when we go there with tractors. Actually, all people that crossing there, they had a lot of drama from us driving there, but they still put up their thumbs and say, you good, do good job. We finally, we fully understand you and fight for your right to be a farmer because we need you. Um, so this, uh, we have only 50,000 farmers. For one seat in the chamber, in the parliament, we need 70,000 votes. So when the Farmers Civilians Party, the BBB, came up, we were very skeptical because we said, okay, they will never get a seat in the chamber because we had just had 50,000 farmers. If they all vote for this party, we still had not have enough. So, uh, but later we found out that the civilians back the farmers so strongly that they see that they want Dutch food and Dutch farmers so 
desperately that they all backed this political organization in the votes. And now this is the second biggest uh, political party in the Netherlands. So um, we had the first chamber, um, uh, the parliament, actually, no, it's not the parliament, it's the, it's the chamber, the this first chamber, and the first chamber is uh, deciding if rules are correct or not. They can block legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, they are now, uh, the, the, the BBB is now present there for more than, they are the second biggest one there. But the local government, the, the sitting government now try to make uh, deals with several other smaller uh, political parties to still push their agenda. Um, but now in November, we will have new elections for the parliament. So for the government, actually. And those elections hopefully will also be won by the BBB. And then we can change the laws uh, very quickly. Um, but the yeah, it's it's still a struggle and a fight that still goes on. Uh, but I think yeah, it has a lot of effect. But even the BBB has struggles to to stand up in this uh, yeah swarm of injustice and and unfair unfair laws. So so the the thing for me is um, it seemed that the BBB was slightly askew to you, slightly different to you. But you now sound like you're more aligned with them. Is there uh is that is that a fair comment? And is there any other what might have been formerly um sort of disparate groups willing to join in and, and be a force, a bigger force with you? Well, actually, um yeah, you you, you no, the BBB is not fully on online aligned with all the farmers. At the moment, the farmers stood up and they protested very firstly uh, several times throughout the, the the last years, and this gave the farmers' party, the BBB, the 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 chance to get big. But they, now they are pretty big, and farmers are just a small percentage of their votes. So they are also re- already shifting a little bit to to the to um. Yeah, the common grounds. You know, they want to uh, be a part of the government, no matter what. So they are giving up some sort of yeah rights of farmers that they, they they protested for, and now they said, okay, maybe we should change it a little bit because we need to also make alliances in politics, um, and this is uh, critical because I think they will lose lose a lot of votes in the next elections because farmers are seeing this and they are feeling bad because they they stood up and now they are not represented correctly. So I think uh, the BBB uh, as an organization is not a bad organization for farmers. They are better than the the, the sitting politics now, but they are on the turning point now, on the tipping point of changing their uh, opinions about farmers and going a little bit more close to the other side. So I think we still have more work to do as a farmers organization, Farmers Defense Force. And that's for now we can proudly announce that one of our uh, members, Sita van Kijnpema, is going into politics herself. Um, we are, uh, first of all, we were very skeptic about this step because we said uh, politics is a poisonous business. Um, it's uh, You will never win in politics. But we see that uh, we need one very sturdy lady in the chamber. And I think Sita van Kijnpema is the best example we have. And she will be, uh, I think, pretty big and pretty quickly. Um, tomorrow it will be announced uh, in, in in the Netherlands. So it will be on the news, I think. And she will be like um, the second party for farmers in the chamber. And she can uh, try to get the BBB on the same track as they should. So I think it's a strong force. And that's fantastic news. Um, I've I've watched her on some video clips, and she's got a very strong delivery style. And uh, so have you, by the way. And so, uh, um, you know, you'll make a difference. But it's interesting. I, another question I've got at at that juncture is: Has the European uh, Commission or the European Union um, infiltrated uh, effectively their ideas into into your groups? What, what influences the European Union or the European Commission? I'm never quite sure which way to say that. Yeah. Well, we have, of course, the uh, we call it the, the WEF. It's the Klaus Schwab uh, clan. 
and uh, they are having a lot of influence. Uh, some of the people that are in uh, European politics, they are very enthusiastic about his ideas and they follow him uh, because um, there is a lot of money coming from abroad in these organizations. And um, yeah, politics are only favorable for two things, for votes and for money. And um, yeah, they are saying, it's also a very easy story. We're trying to save the climate, so vote for us. Yeah, of course, it's a very nice story, but saving the climate is not doing is is not affected by words or whatsoever. It's affected by deeds. And the only people that I know that really have an effect on nature and climate because they live and thrive on nature and climate are farmers. So everybody else is just consuming and just um, emitting and consuming and breathing and enjoying their life. Uh, but farmers are the only ones that are producing and contributing to the system of nature. And I think we should uh, pay more attention to that. And uh, the European Union is thriving on people, uh, a lot of leftist people infiltrated the, the politics the, the last uh, three or four decades. And um, I always uh, come back to our, our own organization. We are just started three years ago as a farmers organization, just uh, we were farmers and we were not found uh, uh, keen on founding anything. We just keen on spoken out for our own uh, people, for our, our, our farmers uh, and for our own businesses. But if I look at the, the last three years, how many friends worldwide and how many um, uh, alliances we made worldwide and also in, in nationwide, with, with uh, big organizations, with big uh, multinationals, with businesses, they are all trying to support us in many ways and we are supporting them. It We are structurizing this as an organization pretty quickly in just three years. You just should imagine how they could do this the last three decades. They do the same job as we're doing for three years now for 30 years. So they have a lot of friends in, in so many places in the world, in so many parts of the um, politics, of the government, of the multinationals, of NGOs, everywhere. And I think we can change this in uh, to our place, but we need a lot more work. Yeah, you know, I've, I've got a sort of a cynical approach to that. I mean, I, great if we can have a global uh, um team of players to push back on on that sort of stuff on this sort of stuff but what i've noted uh is there's generally i'm going to call them there's crony ecosystems that you know you talked about wef uh clearly there's some big corporates in behind all that stuff and the banks and a whole lot of uh you know people we we won't see invisibles um uh, but we so we trust some of those players that you've just mentioned uh with eyes wide open because i'm not sure they'll always be your friends and that's a problem for me from the other side of the planet um and the other thing that we've got that that is slightly different to you is in new zealand there is no no protections for farming uh we don't get any environmental grants although there is a few starting to appear after 30 years we went we went subsidy free production subsidy free in 1985 so we're we're, we're sort of clean of government protections and so that's a difference that we see with european um farmers to us uh quite and, and we're an exporting nation uh, we can't really set global rules so so trying to keep it clean and, and above uh, so so everything is uncluttered is part of the issue for us but on these issues it is my opinion that we should have some common ground uh, on emissions, we've got to have the integrity around the science. And I think you have uh, said enough today to uh, explain to me that the integrity is missing in your country as well. So I think if we can, um, at the end of this interview, um, we'll have a chat about building a, an alliance with us, uh, because we have people in New Zealand that are willing to do that, uh, form, form alliances with like-minded organisations. But going just changing tack a little bit. I mean, we've also read about the stress on farmers in the Netherlands. And I read a headline that said there's one farmer suicide every 12 days. Uh, that's one too many, of course. 
but is the anxiety that's being caused by all this the pri- uh, the environmental stuff the prime reason do you think yeah yeah of course i think it's the prime reason farmers are always used to work very hard long hours for little pay and sometimes they are lucky with the weather lucky with the climate and they have good pay but sometimes they're very unlucky and they have to um, deal with the situation uh, a farmer is used to sit, sitting up all night to save an animal but he's always used also used to the fact that he don't save this animal and the next day he still have to feed the rest of the animals so farmers are used to this um yeah this negative side of their profession um, money is not the main thing of their, their thriving the is the passion for for their way of living and their their way of uh yeah uh, contributing to 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 the whole system um the only thing is that um that's why you told me uh, in, in your introduction question of this question you told me that um uh, new zealand from uh, 1985 is free of uh, a lot of uh, uh, government influence actually and uh we are not we are from i think i was born in 1986 so after that, we were hanging on the government uh, for a big part of our money. And I think this is a very bad thing because um, it takes out the creativity of the, of the, of the entrepreneur. You know, if you uh, produce for a worldwide market and you know that the prices are down, you will try to search a way that you can produce as cheap as you can, as good as you can, so you can make money. But if the government uh, supports you with subsidies or money, you will lose a little bit of this uh, creativity. Um, so this is one thing of the problem. The second thing is uh, you will do counteractive uh, measurements that are not, not good for your farm. But you do this because you want the subsidies and you need the subsidies. So you do this. Um, this is not good and healthy for, uh, for, your, for your business. But um, the worst thing that I see in the young farmers' eyes when I speak with them, and I speak a lot with them, I see the despair and the, the sadness in their eyes when they speak about uh, the future because they are hit on by uh, legislation, hit on by, 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 uh, by the community, and actually uh, mostly by the media, that they are doing a bad job. But they are doing actually an amazing job they are producing food for 98% of the country. And even outside of the Netherlands, they are enjoying our food. And um, we are living in a world with so many people dying of hunger that the, the most honorable job is the job of a farmer, producing food for others. And I should, we should see proudness in their eyes, but we see sadness. And this is created by uh, legislations uh, pushed by government, uh, governments that act with no brain and uh, act for the worst of our countries. Well, we have a lot in common in that uh, in that side of it, and I know that we have um, sadly suicides happening in our own area. Uh, yeah. It's it's not pleasant, and um, you know the saying is uh, there's blood on the hands of these legislators, yeah. and they don't don't seem to care. But they they come out and share the country with, uh, and I don't mean to be disparate about this either but they share um uh mental health providers with money and they think that fixes it well the the yeah. simple thing at the end of at the beginning of it would be to stop the legislative push that's creating the tensions and the pressures but um yeah so we do have a lot in common one thing i would like to know because i've never um, understood this do you get uh you know let's call it production subsidy or multi or, or environmental grants from your own government or do they come from the European Union, um, gov the European government? Well, they, they mainly come from the European government. The European government, uh, in Europe, every European country has the right to have this money, but uh, the legislation are also very similar everywhere. So uh, it's actually European money. So the influence from Europe in this is very big, but the way they spend this money, there are also um, some subsidies can be a helpful for a farmer, you know, to, to modernize the farm or to change for the better. Uh, it can be helpful and useful to have some subsidies. And the European Union has those subsidies. 
but they're using this in, for example, at the moment, they are using this in more the eastern part of Europe and the western part of Europe uh, pays for the, the things that they are doing in the east. Um, so, so this is not a good thing for, for the western farmers. It's not fair, I think. Um, but but first, I want to, I, actually, I'm sorry. I just, uh, sometimes you tell me, you say me things and I really want to respond to that. Um, so if it's too much, just, just tell me. Uh, but um, you, you were talking about that you see this, uh, the same problems in, in, in New Zealand. And um, uh, I think in, in throughout Europe, we have the same. A lot of countries that we speak with, they say, yeah, we have the same in, in the Netherlands. And we see the protest in the Netherlands gave the farmers so much hope and so much uh, power and good feeling that... Um, uh, so that we, we started now to uh, evolve our organization throughout Europe. Uh, uh, like three months ago, uh, the Belgium uh, part of Farmers Defense Force was founded. And we are working on the German part now. And uh, we're doing this throughout Europe. And I think um, if you watch at our logo, you can see that we have a very strong logo. I, I can show it on, uh, we, we are speaking now with camera, so you can see yeah. it uh, maybe for, for the people that watch, uh, listen to your show, you can show the logo sometime. But um, this logo uh, is like a very proud logo. It's a, it's a defensive logo. The name is defensive. Uh, it's it's uh, The name is Farmers Defense Force. Um, farmers need force. They need, they need protection. They need force. And um, the coherence uh, that our organization brought to young farmers, the proudness, there's no organization throughout the Netherlands that is selling so much shirts with logos as we are. It's really, it's amazing. Farmers are so proud of wearing our logo that they, they go to school with this. The young farmers, I can tell you, we had some very sad moments and very uh, heartbreaking moments in our organization when when um, uh, young farmers died, uh, not not by suicide, just by accident or whatever, that pe that parents call us if we please can send them a new shirt because they want to be buried in the shirt. This is this is touching, but it's also very strong. And I want to advise all countries throughout the world um, not join our organization whatsoever. We we can talk about this is no problem. We 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 are only doing things if it affects uh, positiveness throughout farmers, but. Uh, create collectivity on a strong base and do this not with money, not with, do this with feeling because farmers are the most strong people I ever met in my life. And you should use logos and you should lo uh, uh, use things like that to be a strong bond. So that's what I want to share with you. <laughs> let's, let's try to uh, describe the logo just for the people. So this, the one I see on the website of the farmers defense force.nl, it is, it's got a white background. It says, this object is under the protection of Farmers Defense Force. And then are those two sickles there crossed? No, they are two uh, forks. Two um, forks, uh, yeah. Pay forks, actually. Uh, for, forks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and it, this is, um, yeah, everybody can relate to that. Every farmer knows what, what is. Uh, but it's also very defensive and a little bit aggressive evenly. Um, and uh, people that are not farmer don't understand this. They feel this as threatening. And uh, we are not threatening nobody, but it's nice if you are threatened by a lot of people as a farmer that you feel something, that you have a force, you know, that you are all together and you are strong. And uh, a lot of when you see we're going on the streets with tractors, they use the army to block us. They use the nation army to block or to go from going into the main capitals, but they didn't succeed because mm. all the farmers stick together are way stronger than whatsoever. And um, this is what you can see in the happening in the Netherlands is a tiny country just with a minority of farmers, but we were still dominating the news worldwide. And why did we dominate the news? Not because the news was in favor of us, because they couldn't ignore because it was so huge. Um, yeah, they tried to and filter, but they couldn't succeed. So uh, this logo uh, brings a lot of strength to the hearts of the farmers. And I never could could have think that it, it, it worked like that, but it works. It so, 
Yeah. I, I so, think brand, branding is fantastic. Uh, if you can get yeah. a brand that works and holds, it's great. I mean, I, 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 I acknowledge your brand. I looked at it before and I thought, gee, that is quite a powerful brand. It reminded me of Trident's actually, uh, you know, the devil's Trident. But anyway, oh. um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know the hay forks. Uh, interestingly, uh, though, when I saw a guy, Jerome, uh, Jerome, I think, or Jerron, uh, with his red necktie, um, on, on a Facebook, page talking about uh the things that were going on in the netherlands and then i realized that the red uh necktie or you may call it something else was scarf, more yeah. symbolic what do you call it yeah the red scarf you know the handkerchief yeah, yes this yeah yeah the handkerchief yeah it's quite symbolic and um tell us about what that means as well because again it's a brand that i think uh took off for me anyway yeah, well, um, uh, uh, first of all, you, you name, uh, you, you mentioned the name of Jeroen. Uh, Jeroen is Jeroen van Manen. Uh, he was a, a former member of our staff or of our uh, uh, board, um, but he decided to go his own path or change. Uh, um, yeah, don't uh, follow uh, our strategies anymore. So this is uh, we are still in close contact, and he's actually uh, very uh, good in spreading out the word, and so that we are very proud of this. Um, this handkerchief is actually, um, um, yeah, this is a strong symbol as well. You know, some of the organizations were not happy to share the logo, but the logo is a little bit aggressive. So politics were scared of this and this brought a lot of strength, but also um, is uh, scaring off some of the organization because they were scared to, to show off with this logo. So um, the farmers and we decided it was strong if we give them something that is less uh, aggressive, but more recognizable. So this handkerchief is like uh, all traditional colors of the Dutch uh, farming. So we, we um, yeah, we, we, the last action that we had was that we, we handed out more than 600,000 of those handkerchiefs throughout the Netherlands. Um, we buy them uh, and we just give them for free to to anybody that want to wear them. People put them on the the mirrors of their cars. They put them on the inside their cars. They wear them to work. And the, every time we go abroad with our organization, the last time we went, for example, to Poland, uh, we were in Poland on the parliament, the same in Poland. It's the parliament, Polish parliament. We spoke with a lot of politicians there, even with the president of Poland. And we gave them on the on the on the media, you know, they, we were in front of the cameras. We gave him this handkerchief. We asked him if he was supporting Dutch farmers and if he was, he should wear this around his wrist. And there's no ch chance for a politician if you do it like that that he will not do this. They all do this because yeah, <laughs> they can't do nothing. But those pictures and those images, they go worldwide. They go everywhere. Oh. And. So this red handkerchief uh, is is like the protest uh, uh, image worldwide, and we're still using this, and uh, it's very strong. It's a fantastic concept, and I, I Jasper, I think uh, New Zealand needs to do something similar. We've got an organisation in New Zealand, the Splinter Group, sort of you might say, called Groundswell, and they are um, different from the old mainstream organisations, and they've got their own branding, but. You know, perhaps there's something like this might be an idea they need to pick up. Um, uh, it's a bit like well, the if, they, I, if I can break into this, uh, we have now a special program that if people want to uh, get involved in, in something uh, similar as Farmers Defense Force, uh, they can contact us and we can help them build this in their uh, their own country. And they have full free uh, freedom of speech and freedom of acting, everything. But we, we just want to grow bigger as a as a as a group, you know. Fabulous. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's a win for us tonight, uh, um, Jasper. Sorry, I should say today, tonight, whatever. Um, time zones all the way. Time zones. I'm glad we crazy. finally got us sorted. But uh, you've got you've got young children, Joss, and uh, they. I mean, as a parent, one obviously looks to you know what they'll be doing. I have young children. My children are six and eight, and my son. You anytime you ask him, it it is farming for him. Nothing else. This is all they've grown up doing, but. Uh, Kids here are also getting a, another education. So we have this whole push for insect proteins. And it is mm -hmm. coming into the whole sustainability thing, is coming into schools, and it has a certain flavor. A certain flavor, which is I very clearly find it anti-farming. And I see the, the Dutch king opened the world's largest insect farm at Fortex in 2019. You also have 
one of a, a insect university set up a school or at least on its website it says insectengineers.com and we are insect engineers creating the first school and commercial farming of black soldier fly what what is going on there you it is just the same tactics world over aren't they yeah well um yeah some, sometimes uh i can't spin my head around what's going on but i always try to to um uh, to break it down to logical uh it's not a, it's not as easy as it sounds but um for we, we have two parts of your question the first part is um the children on the schools um uh, there's a lot of ngos that uh, make schooling systems and they uh, give this for free to schools um mm. and this has a major effect because they are uh, it's not healthy uh, it's not good if you go into the minds of young people uh, with false information uh, with uh, incomplete information and um, this is very poisoning to the society i think um so i think uh, the old agriculture organizations we have throughout the netherlands uh, um, should have done something about this the last decades but they didn't so we are now trying to do something about this by setting up our own programs and also contributing financially to programs that are in favor of farmers and doing exactly the opposite as they are doing. Um, uh, I think we will win this at the end because um, uh, we have the truth on our side. Um, so it's easier to tell something, uh, a trustworthy story than uh, a lie. So mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the story, we will win this. Um, but for the insect uh, uh, part of your question, we have a, a second problem, I think. Um, we have fake milk in the Netherlands. We have fake meat in the Netherlands. We have fake everything. Um, the problem is that uh, this fake, uh, fake um, things are um, pretty profitable for the people that sell them and make them. Because if you make a milk protein or you make a meat protein, there is a certain amount of costs that be never can be taken away. An animal has to be fed and you can try to do this as cheap as possible, but it still has to be fed. So um, the, the cost price of meat and milk will always be at a certain level. It will never get lower. But if you, for example, you make fake uh, hamburgers with fake meat, you can use so many products to, to, to fill up this hamburger. You can use uh, tapioca, but if tapioca gets too, too expensive because the tapioca farmers needs to have a living as well, they can say to this tapioca farmer, okay, this year we don't buy anything from you, just uh, eat your own tapioca and we will just uh, put in uh, rapeseed or rapeseed or whatever. So they are very flexible in producing this hamburger and they, the, the, the cost of producing a hamburger is the same as the cost of producing a liter Coca-Cola. Is just add some sugar, add some additives and you have a product that you can sell for several euros and the production costs were low. As we go to fresh products like milk and meat and eggs and cheese, those products are sold to the consumer for just a little bit higher than the production costs. So there is not the, the, the in-between traders are not making a lot of, of course, they make enough money because they still make more money than the farmers, mm -hmm. but they don't make extremely amount of money. So the problem there is that the cheap products like insects, like fake meat, like fake milk or whatsoever, they make a lot of money for the producers. So, um, and yeah, poverty is on the lower for a lot of countries throughout Europe. And I think even in the Netherlands, people are uh, having uh, a hard time paying their milk and paying their paying their good, healthy food. So they will change to cheap foods. So this is an ongoing problem. Yeah, yeah. None, none of this is easy. But, uh, you know, the evolution, I've always said the evolution of ideas um, will either take us to a better place uh and well it always seems to take us to a better place in the end so let's hope uh fads go come and go um maybe it's a fad maybe it's a passing phase don't know but uh you know um we're we're talking about what we do and we do it very well and you do it very well as well and that is produce protein uh and carbohydrates or whatever uh from farming tell me we need to wrap up pretty soon but What's the circuit breaker? Uh, what's what's the uh, deal breaker uh, for you and your organizations and uh, your like-minded people uh, with regard to 
the government of the Netherlands. I mean, if 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 the Rutter government gets back in and and gets dominance again, will he force your hand and start to expropriate these properties? Do you think and just take them, just just take them and close them down? Well, the question uh, is actually, what is the deal breaker? What's the circuit breaker? When mm. when are we going to 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 not accept this anymore? Uh, well, uh, as shown worldwide, we're not accepting it already. What's going on? But uh, for us, uh, freedom is at stake. Um, uh, if a farmer is not having any children to 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 take over the farm or whatsoever, and he's willing to sell his farm, and he sells his farm to government because the government wants to decline farmers in the country, this is fraud, no deal breaker at all. This is no problem because um, why should we? It's a free, it's a free world, and if somebody wants to sell his farm and the government is able, uh, because the, the 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 majority of the community wants to do this, like the government wants. They vote for them, so okay, we it's democratic, so they can do. Uh, we don't care, um, but as long it's if it's on a voluntary base, it should be voluntary. Um, and what is happening now that they circle um, uh, farms, they say, okay, it's a voluntary legislation. You can say no if you don't want to sell the farm to the government. You can say no at this point, but but there's no nobody else that want to buy your farm ever again and there's also nobody else that want to take over it. and there's no bank investing any money in your your farm as well because your farm is marked by the government as so, should be sold to the government so it's already not voluntary anymore so uh, we are opposing to this a lot um, and you say um, that what what should we do or happen if ruta will get into the chamber again into the parliament again well, the next month until November, we will do everything available in our bodies and in our minds to fight the fact that he will come back in the chamber. And I think we will win this because in the last moment, he just said that he will never go back into Dutch politics again. Uh, so we will, we, we are uh, rid of Rutte. Uh, this is uh, very good for the country, very good news for the farmers. Um, but there will be new uh, politicians that will um, try to um, yeah, continue this red race to the bottom. Uh, we will do everything to fight this and we will never accept. Fantastic. Uh, good, good, good stuff. Just going back a little bit before we finish, you mentioned um, the World Economic Forum a little uh, a little while ago. Um, was Mark Rutter uh, one of the young global leaders uh, way back? Was he part of that 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 cabal? Do you know? Yeah, yeah, he's very close to them. He's uh, he's like um, uh, Trudeau, you know, and uh, some of the world leaders are very close with this organization. <laughs> and actually, um, Rutte is the best example we have worldwide because he's like number one in this organization as a friend. Oh, we thought we had that person here. <laughs> no, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, we no, are. I, I thought. I thought it was Jacinda Ardern, but isn't it, isn't it uh, amazing? So you guys, you're responsible for less than half a percent of the world's gross emissions. We in New Zealand are responsible for less than a quarter of a percent of the world's gross yeah. emissions. We are being hammered. Tells yeah. a lot, doesn't it? it? It makes no sense. And yet they are willing to completely destroy us, you know? As I keep telling uh, who to whosoever would listen, we need to stop looking for a reason and treason. Stop calling these people stupid or these policies silly. They know exactly what they are doing. And I'm so glad you guys are fighting back. Those pitchforks might just come in handy, Joss, real soon. Real soon. <laughs> and and Jaspreet has another line, Joss, called comply till you die. Uh, and um, you know, you're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let it happen. No. There are people in New Zealand, uh, you know, I'm... My, my farming career is at its end, but, um, you know, we need to stand up for our successes and, and your generation because, uh, as you alerted to early, the older organizations have let you down. They've let you down. And uh, and it's it's only young, new, inventive ideas that are going to stand up now. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful we've managed to get you on at such short notice and you've given us an hour of your time. And uh, if we can do anything to... Um, Hopefully, our groundswell organization may have uh, 
may may just have got some ideas out of this discussion if they listen to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if we're wrapping up, but um, I, I want to uh, say something to all of the listeners and also to the organization listening and uh, to, to, to the both of you as well, that you should be really uh, protective to uh, what's in the heads of the young farmers, because um, all the negativeness is breaking down their passion. And uh, if you lose your passion, you lose everything. So uh, that's why I just hammer as much on the logo and then everything, because this is bringing proud, prideness and proud feeling into their hearts again. And uh, this is what young farmers need. They be, they, they, we sell, for example, we sell the stickers uh, of Farmers Defense for very nice, beautiful stickers that you can put on the tractor. They are huge. But we, we thought, yeah, maybe they will not use them. But they are sold like mega because farmers are proud when they have this sticker on their cabin that they are member of the group you know they are involved and uh, this proudness makes them feel strong when they're driving their machines and working on the fields and working with their animals so this this pride should be in their hearts forever and you can uh, do something to 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 make this stronger yeah well look fantastic the owner operator is in my heart and uh it sounds like uh seriously in the hearts of of the people you represent and you know, it's it's easy to be a big player, a big corporate, and you, you know, you just you sort of have your own brand and you just trample over the owner operator. But um good to know you're fighting back. I think there's enough uh groundswell in New Zealand to fight back as well. So we're grateful to have you on and uh we're gonna keep watching your progress. Uh you're very visible in, in media. So um yeah, all the best for the future and thanks for coming on RCR Greenwash today. Thanks for having me on. Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio.